The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, church. I want to extend my welcome to everyone who is here and everyone who is at home. Even though we have to continue to social distance, I feel a little bit like I'm at church camp. And when the inclination is to go and handshake or to hug, it's like, wait, leave room for the Holy Spirit. Uh, But whether you're here or you're at home, you're most welcome. And it is God's Spirit that connects us today, even though we cannot be connected physically. These are strange times. I know that word's been said quite a bit, but they just are. And so... Brett and I, when the coronavirus hit and quarantine hit, we thought we've got to pivot a little bit from what we're going to do. So we decided, uh, because these were strange times, we thought, well, what's one of the most strange, the strangest books in the Bible? And we thought the book of Ecclesiastes. It really is a strange book. But we thought it asked some of the questions that perhaps were relevant to these days. The the writer, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, asks questions, why? What about this? What about that? How do we know which is better? In fact, one of the things that the the teacher in Ecclesiastes says, is this all just vanity, like a vapor? Is there any real meaning to all of this? But while... The book of Ecclesiastes asks those questions and delves into the deepest parts of what it means to be a wise person. We thought, if it's asking questions of meaning, we thought the gospel also has something to say to us about meaning. So, Brett and I thought we'd let Ecclesiastes kind of guide the conversations and the questions that we might actually be feeling. They may not be all of your questions, they may not be all of my questions, but they're questions that are out there, and they're questions that are real. And if, by the way, if you don't like the book of Ecclesiastes, sorry about that, it's in Scripture. And I think the beauty of Scripture is that it, it goes deep, and it's wide, and it, it it attempts to match all of our lived experiences from the mountaintops to the valleys and everything in between. So we're continuing today the sermon series, Ecclesiastes, Good News and a Meaningless World. And ever since this has happened, I've been thinking about Holy Saturday quite a bit during this quarantine time. I've been thinking about Holy Saturday, and we just celebrated Easter probably about a month ago. And we're familiar with Good Friday, and we're very familiar with Easter Sunday. But we might not be as familiar with Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is the, the, the Saturday after Good Friday, and the Saturday before Easter Sunday. It's the day between death and resurrection. And what's interesting about it is, is that while Scripture gives lots and lots of detail about Good Friday, about Jesus' death and his suffering, and while it gives 
enormous amount of attention to the miracle of Easter Sunday, it hardly says a word, a word about Holy Saturday. In fact, it's silent. But we do get small glimpses into Holy Saturday. And so John, if we want to begin in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 19. It gives us, I think, a glimpse into the disciples' life on Holy Saturday. It says this, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, my my take on this is that if, if it's in the morning of the day, first day of the week, Sunday, Easter Sunday, that if they're afraid of the Jewish leaders, between Friday evening and Sunday morning, they are probably in that room. It doesn't tell us much, but it says they're locked in a house. Anybody feel like they've been locked up in their house lately? I mean, they are cooped up in a house all day long, all day Saturday, and there are no sports to watch on TV. It's a crime. It's a time of disorientation. A time when the world was one way, and then all of a sudden it just changed, and it's another way. There's shock and disbelief. There's anxiety. There's fear. And I'm sure they ask all of these kinds of questions Like, what just happened? What was that all about anyway? What could we have done differently? What was the point of all that we've gone through up to this time? And I'm sure they're thinking this. That's not where I thought this whole thing was going. I'm sure for all of us back in January, December, even February, we didn't think our lives would look like this. And I don't think the disciples' lives thought they would look like this either. And so in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning in verse 7, the teacher speaks to the emotions that are felt, I think, by the disciples and perhaps by us during this time. And what he says before we get into 7 through 9, he says this. He's comparing which is better, the teacher is. And he comes to the conclusion that life is better than death. Glad he came to that conclusion, right? He actually concludes, he's thinking, which is better, death or life? And he says, I think life is better. Life is better. And so he has two responses. If he says life is better, he has two responses to life. And the first one comes in chapter chapter 9, verse 7 through 10. He says, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. And whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. 
So as he considers this life and what it means to have a meaningful life and just says, in all my wisdom, I don't know what, there, what meaning there is. He says, but I know life, it's better than death. And so if life is better than death, he says, you might as well make the most of it. Make the most of life. Now, some of us, I know quite a few people have made the most of this time of quarantine. In fact, um, some of us have been doing a good deal of shopping online. So if you've got those boxes that arrive at your door, I can't figure it out. Some of them drop them at the door and just leave and you find them like the next day because you never go outside, right? Some of them ring the doorbell. You're like, who's here? Like, oh, it's nobody. It's just a box, right? But this one guy who's not only been shopping online, he actually not only enjoys the things that he got, I assume he enjoys the things, but he actually makes use, good use, of the box all this stuff came in. And during the time of quarantine, some have tried to keep their normal routine. In fact, they say try to keep a normal routine. So this guy, who's a construction worker, he tries to keep up his normal routine out in the yard. Or others have made breakfast into an art form. I know you don't even want to eat it. It looks so good. Some are enjoying their bathroom way too much. And by the way, it's these types of people that are enjoying their bathroom way too much that makes for the rest of us when we go to the store. It's like a treasure hunt trying to find toilet paper. So this is how we feel like when we go to to the store. And I'm not really sure if this one's enjoyable, but it would take up so quite a bit of time. Yeah, it takes a while to figure out what's going on there, right? He picked up all the seeds on the strawberry. That's what that is. And then others of us are super creative, and so we, uh, we uh, have invented all kinds of new games like this. So some of us, needless to say, are making the most of life. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, life gives you lemons. Make lemonade. But there's another response that the teacher actually gives. And the other response that the teacher gives to life, that life is better than death, but he says, but here's another thing. Sometimes it feels like we're caught or we're trapped. And so in verse 11 through 12, he goes on to say this. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As a fish are caught in a cruel net, or a bird, 
Birds are taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. Others of us, some feel, let's make the most of this. But I'm sure there's lots of us that feel trapped. Like a bird in a snare or a fish caught. Like it just snuck up on us. And evil times have fallen upon us and we don't know what to do about it. I was talking to a friend yesterday and she said this. She's like, if there's one thing that this has made me realize is that I'm not in control. Not in control of my business, not in control of my schedule, not in control of my, even though she has agency still in her life. It's made her pause to say, I'm not in control. And I think the disciples experience this in the room. They feel caught. They feel trapped. Cooped up behind closed doors, locked in with potential danger lurking outside. This is the disorientation of Holy Saturday. And this is what many of us feel like as well. We want life to be back to normal, whatever that means. We don't want to be caught in between times. But I want to say this. I've been thinking a lot about Holy Saturday during this time. Not a day that we give much thought to because there's not much said about it in Scripture. And I want to say this. Christians always live on Holy Saturday. Christians always live on Holy Saturday. In fact, Holy Saturday is the framework by which it helps give understanding and meaning to a life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Holy Saturday is the between time. Paul says often this, he says, in this age and the age to come, we sit between somewhere between this age and the age to come. And I love it. Rick Geyer last week in his communion homily said it so well, and I really appreciated what he said. He talked about this phrase that many of us probably haven't heard, but liminal space, and that we live in liminal space. Liminal space is this time between what was and what comes next. It is a place of transition, a season of waiting and not knowing. That's what liminal space is. Or, we've often talked about it this way. It is the already, but not fully yet. That Christians, holy for Christians, Holy Saturday, the place where we live, is the place of the already, but not fully yet. God has already begun to make the world right through Jesus Christ. It's already happened, but not fully yet. God has already defeated death and sickness through the resurrection, but not fully yet. And so Romans 8, 24 and 25 puts it this way. Paul is talking about death 
And he's talking about the resurrection. And he says this, for in this hope, in the hope of the resurrection, the coming already but not yet, in this hope you are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Holy Saturday is the framework that gives meaning and understanding to a Christian's life. It is the day between. It is the day where we live between death and we live between resurrection. It is the day between when it's already but not fully yet. It is this liminal space. And in Holy Saturday, what we learn as Christians, and this is really hard to do, but I want to encourage you because this is your Christian vocation. This is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that the vocation and the work of being a Christian is the work of waiting. Oh, hate waiting. But Paul says, but if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it. But I want to say this, because I know many of you are thinking, oh, Ben, I hate waiting. Waiting just sitting around doing nothing. No, 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 you don't understand Christian waiting. Christian waiting is not passive. Hope is not passive. Christian waiting is not passive, it is active. And so, if our primary vocation during this season or during life in general is waiting on God, it is an active waiting. And it demands of us to ask this question, while we wait, what does it mean to be a faithful person who waits? What does it mean to be a faithful person filled person that waits. Here are a few things that I want to leave you with. That as we wait, as we learn what it means to live life on Holy Saturday, what it means is that we are not anxious. But by prayer and petition, we offer everything to God. What it means on Holy Saturday to wait is that we are not anxious, but we are hopeful. That's what Holy Saturday does for us. On Holy Saturday, we're not discontented. And when we're tempted to be discontented, I think what Holy Saturday teaches us, it frames for us, is that we're not discontented about our circumstances, but we're patient already but not fully yet and on Holy Saturday especially in days like these I think what we learn is that when we're tempted to be unconcerned to just say Psh. I think Holy Saturday teaches us that when we're tempted to be unconcerned about others it teaches us to be devoted to others from anxious to hopeful, 
from discontented to patient, from unconcerned to devoted. We live in in between times. But we, as God's people, are equipped for such times because we live on Holy Saturday. The time between death and resurrection. The time between what was and what will come. And this is a perspective that the world desperately needs. Let's stand and sing.